Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message of the week. Not such a wonderful life. We're in a series of starting today, and actually this is a unique series today and the next Sunday for sure. We're going to talk about this topic of discontentment, discontentment. And, and this is an issue that all of us have in our life as much as uh, maybe, maybe many of us in this room are, are literally, we're just content, but no, bat, no doubt it's been a battle, and no doubt, everybody, it will be a battle in the future. You may be fully content right now, but that doesn't mean you're going to be content tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. But it doesn't mean that the, bat, that, that the devil is not going to attack you in this, level, in this, in, in this um, uh, part of, of discontentment in your life, in this area of discontentment in your life. You know what? I was thinking about something. We tried to pull up a picture this morning, but it, it just didn't work for some reason. But, um, uh, you know, growing up in Oklahoma, they have these, these houses, and I don't know if they're up here, and I don't even know if they name I'm sure they're up here. I, I haven't really seen them. You know, every state has kind of homes that are um, individualized to that state. It's just, it's just the, um, you, you know, there's certain styles of home that this state has this style and this state has another style, especially it, uh, 40, 50 years ago, maybe even 50, 60, 70 years ago. Growing up in Oklahoma, we had these little bitty houses that we always called shotgun houses. Have ever, has anybody ever heard of a shotgun house before? Okay, so you don't see them as often up here in Indiana as you do in Oklahoma, but shotgun houses might only be maybe 12 feet wide, but they, they might be 30 feet or 40 feet or 50 feet long. And so when you come into the front room, you're just in, in, in the, the living room, and then you're in the, the kitchen and dining area. And if you want to get to the back bedrooms, you just got to walk through everything. Like, you have to, to walk through every room to get to the very back of the house. So it's very narrow, but it's very, very long. We call them shotgun houses, and um, they're, they're everywhere in Oklahoma. And we had this thing in, in my house growing up in which my dad, if you know my dad, this is so, this is so my dad, all right? So we, we had this thing, you know, everywhere we'd drive, he would see a little shotgun house and say, hey, there's a shotgun house. Or, or he'd say this little bitty house that's maybe just 400, 500 square feet. I mean, just a little bitty baby house. And he would look at me and my brother, he, said, he would say, I could live there. I could live there. He'd, he'd point something out. He'd, sometimes it'd just be his shack. He'd say, I, I could live there. Now, if you know my dad, he could. Like, he's just always content. He's just always, it's just who he is. And, and there have been times in my life, have you ever been like this? That, In fact, this was in the picture that I, that I was going to show you this morning, that there, there is just uh, the scene of nothingness. It's like a tundra. There's no trees. It's just, it's just you know, kind of rolling hills and rocks and a little bit of grass and there, there's, this, there's this cabin just sitting on it, maybe four or 500 square foot cabin. It's literally in the middle of nowhere. There's no neighbors. There's nothing around. It's nothing but peace and quiet. And there's some people in this room right now that said, oh, that just sounds like a dream. Oh, 
All the moms in the room are like, oh, that sounds amazing. You know, just, just let me go to this cabin in the middle of nowhere and just be by myself and drink a cup of hot coffee and wake up in the morning and spend some time with Jesus and just sit there with nobody asking me for anything. Like, I don't want my, my kids asking for anything, my spouse asking for anything. I don't, I don't want my job to be asking for anything. I just want some alone time. I just want to be by myself. I would be so content if I could just be by myself at a little quaint cabin in the middle of nowhere. How many have ever thought about getting away at some point in your life, right? Like, oh, I just, if I could just be my, so, so, so what you find is you're discontent in the moment. You just want to be away. But here's something that maybe you haven't thought of before. Go ahead, picture yourself in that cabin in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by nothing but tundra, there's no neighbors, no, no other voices. You're just all by yourself. And within an, a day, three days, a week, if you're a mom, maybe a month, at some point, you're going to say, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. There's nothing to do. There's nobody to talk to. There's no place to go. I'm so bored. I'm so sick of sitting around this house, house doing nothing. See, my wife and I have this thing. On our days off, I don't know if you're like us, but on our days off, we can't wait for a day off. It's like, oh, good, a day, a day off is almost here, and we're going we're gonna to sleep in, and then your body won't let you. Have you ever been there before? And you want to sleep in really bad, but then you, won't, you can't do it. And then you wake up, and you have the cup of coffee, and you sit down, and at about 10 or 10 30 in the morning, you, you've been looking forward to this day off, and you had no plans Somewhere around 10 or 10.30, I look at my wife and say, what are we going to do today? Like, was this our day? I know, I know it's our day off, but I'm bored. I'm bored. I, I, let's go somewhere. Let's go, let's go do some. Let's go be somewhere. Let's, because see, even on those, on those times where sometimes we just want a day off, isn't that something? That sometimes on our day off, we still aren't content. We still got to go out and do something. And, and then the... The next day, sometimes we look back, oh, man, I'm so tired. I should have taken yesterday off, right? And then, and then there are those rare occasions that you actually do take the entire day off, and you feel, especially moms, you feel like you've accomplished nothing. Like after, after a day off, my wife just sits down for a day, and that's really, really rare in my wife's world. And at the end of the day, she's like, oh, I didn't do anything today. And I'm thinking like, yeah, you didn't do anything today. She's like, I didn't do anything today. What a wasted day. What a waste of day. See, isn't it interesting how discontent we can get? It, we can beg for something, and as soon as we get it, we're not happy. And then we can beg for it to go back to normal. When it goes back to normal, we're not happy. Like, isn't that interesting? And then, then you have people who just long for stuff. They just long for things that maybe they never had as a child. And maybe you're a parent. You're like, man, I went without when I was a kid. I mean, I didn't have anything, and I've, I've made it my life's goal. I'm going to give my children everything that they ever wanted. Can I tell you, that's probably not wise. Probably not. In fact, it's not. It's just, there's no probably about it. It's just not wise to do that. Um, but maybe you went without. And so, so when you grew up, it was like, oh, now I'm going to get this. Now I'm going to get this. Now I'm going to get this. I've known people who had really, really tight budgets, and they're like, 
They, they were so discontent because they, did, they only made such and such amount of money. And boy, if I could only get a raise, if I could only make this much money. And then all of a sudden they transfer jobs and they get the money that, they, that they've always wanted and they get that pay raise. And the, the first thing that they do is they go out and buy a bigger house with their bigger mortgage. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, they're, they're back to paycheck to paycheck and they can't afford that, they decided, oh, I'm not content in this place, and they weren't content with their pay, so they got a pay raise, but when they got the pay raise, they also increased the debt, and it just made it where they're not content again. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like just always fighting for more, always fighting for more, just never being content, and can I tell you, it's a huge issue in today's culture. Ecclesiastes has something to say about that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 14 says, whoever loves money, watch this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Like no matter what you have, if you're the person that always says, boy, what would I do if I had a million dollars? Okay, you got an issue. If that's something that you always talk about, if you always talk about what you would do if you just had more money, could I tell you that if you ever got that, that extra money that it wouldn't be enough? You would want, you would want more? Like as soon as, well, if I just had this, then I'd be happy. Well, as soon as you got that, then actually you would just want more. That's what the scripture is saying. Verse 11, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And you know what that saying is? Uh, as, as technology advances and the world advances and now you can get more stuff and everybody, we're, we're talking, you know, you know this to be true. Just all I have to do is say Amazon Prime. And all of you know that the world is at your fingertips. You can order anything and have it here within two days. And now that Amazon Prime is up and running, and I'm not against Amazon Prime. In fact, it saves me a lot of money. You know, when you're Christmas shopping, I always scan whatever we're about to buy, and I put it in Amazon to see if it's cheaper. One, one gift alone that we bought for our daughter that was $40 in the store, we, we saved like $10 or $15 just by buying it online, saying we don't have to buy it here, we're just going to buy it on Amazon, it saved us money. Nothing wrong with that. But have you noticed that as, as you can start buying more and more stuff, there's just more people who are stepping up to buy now? Like there's more people racking up credit cards than ever because it's just stuff, it's just stuff and people... As goods increase, so do those who consume them. So as the world offers more and more, the, the world is filled with more and more people who try to consume those things. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Because you know that to be true. I, I bought a four-wheeler one time. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to have this four-wheeler. And then I realized something. It just sat there most of the time. It just sat there. Like, yeah, I'd use it every now and then, but most of the time it just sat there. And I had it, but I wasn't using it very much. Verse 12, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Like, they think about it all the time. Verse 13, and I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. Or, here's another one, wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. In fact, everybody, did you know that it's the will of God that you not only leave money for your children, but for your children's children? Did you know that? That you not only supply funds for your children, but you're also leaving an inheritance for your grandchildren. That's the, the Bible says that that's wise. It, it's wise 
to be able uh, to, to give to your children and to your grandchildren, but there's a lot of people that love spending and they're so discontent that they're not leaving anything to their family members. They're not leaving anything to their children or grandchildren. They're, they're just spending it now and everybody, there's a better way to live life. I came across something from Chuck Swindoll. I read this several weeks ago and I shared this with my, my staff because I thought it was so good. It is something that so very well fits into what we're talking about today. Number one, write this down. That wishing disturbs my peace. Wishing disturbs my peace. So when you spend your days like, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. I wish I had that job. And I wish I had that income. And I wish I had these number of kids. And I wish I had uh, that house. And I wish I had that car. And I wish I had that motorcycle. And I wish I had. And I wish I had. And I wish I had. And I, I wish I had. Did you know that wishing disturbs your peace? Isn't Chuck right when he says that? that if you focus on the wishes all the time, that it disturbs your peace. Not only as you're wishing for it, but what if it doesn't come about? In fact, I, I grew up in, in, in um, a home that obviously my dad was a pastor, and there were a lot of years we just didn't have much money. And I would wish for Christmas presents, and I would want that, and I'd want that, and I'd want that, and Christmas morning would come, and we would open up gifts, and... What I wanted wasn't there. Anybody like me? You had a Christmas wish that just wasn't fulfilled. So you're not only, your peace is not only disturbed as you're wishing, but when you think the wish is going to happen, what happens if it doesn't show up? Well, now you're really disturbed. Now you're really bothered. Have you ever seen a child cry on their birthday or cry on Christmas because they didn't get what they want? Um, uh, some, sometimes, our, now granted, this is when they were much younger, uh, our children cried when we gave them something, because it, it, but it wasn't exactly what they wanted. And so we just took that thing away. And we said, well, now you get nothing because you're ungrateful. And um, we don't honor ungratefulness in our house. So that's pretty good, isn't it? Some, some of you parents need to steal that. But we don't honor ungratefulness. If one of our children is ungrateful, it's, it's, hey, we're pulling back. We're not giving you more. No, 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 we're pulling back. We're, we're taking things at that point until you learn how to be content with what you have, until you learn to be grateful with what you have. How many know that there's some adults that need to learn that lesson too? Yeah. So wishing disturbs my peace, and it disturbs my peace because I'm focusing on what I don't have not on what I do have, or that's why we love that video, because it focuses on the things that we already have, and we say, yeah, I've already been blessed. Well, let's focus on those things. But wishing disturbs our peace. Number two, wishing is a form of discontentment. Write that down. It's a form of discontentment that says, letter A, I wish I had what they have. That, that's good old-fashioned coveting, everybody. You can write that down next to it. I should say it this way. It's bad old-fashioned coveting, right? Just coveting. I just wish I had what they have. The Bible says that's actually sinful. The Bible says this way, that we have to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, that we are called to rejoice. So if somebody is blessed, instead of saying, well, I wish I had that, and how come they get that and I don't? The Bible says it's actually the opposite. You need to go to them or go with them and say, hey, praise God, you've been blessed. I'm so happy for you. I'm gonna rejoice with you 
would you rejoice? You see the difference? That ever since we were children, we were struggling with this, weren't we? Coveting, I wish I had what they have. Letter B, I wish I could do what they do. Competing, competing. Life is not a competition. This is the whole, this is the whole um, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. It's, it's the whole, hey, when I, when I look at them, they can do something that I can't do, and you're, you're, you're competing with them as if, as if you're worse than they are and they're better than you are when, when the Bible says that there's really no favorites before God. So, so has there ever been somebody who had so much talent you thought, wow, I wish I, 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 wish I could do what they do? why not celebrate that they can do it? But I guarantee you, you have other strengths. You just haven't figured them out, maybe. But you have other strengths. And then the, the last one, see, I wish I could be more like them comparing. Comparing, I wish I could be more like them. And competing and comparing go hand in hand. Competing and comparing go hand in hand. Can I, can I tell you something? This is, this is something that I've noticed. I, I don't mean to, to, to pick on anybody in this room. But moms, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out here. And, and so, yes, I'm picking on all the moms here, but in a very good way. Okay, you're going to love me after I say this. I know it's so easy to compare your house, your home with somebody else's, and your meals, you compare those to somebody else's, and the way that your children dress in comparison to somebody else's, and, and, and the way that somebody decorates their house in comparison to your own, and you look at them, a lot of times, ladies, you look at them and like, oh, I, I wish I could be more like them. I wish I could, I wish I parented my kids. I wish I could make those things. I wish I was crafty like her. I, I mean, my, my wife got on this thing at one point, with, she was following somebody on Instagram and everything on Instagram was absolutely picture perfect, could have been in a magazine. Like this mom was like, oh, this is what our children did today. And oh, this is what, this is the craft that my children made. We made all homemade ornaments for all of their teachers this year for Christmas. And, and it's just sickening stuff. You're like, oh, 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 you know, oh, oh. you know what I'm talking about? Like that stuff where they make dinner and they take a picture of it and like, oh, I just had five minutes to prep this. And it's like picture perfect. And I, I told my, my wife at one point, you just need to stop following her. Because... You know, instead of, and, and, and you're comparing yourself with her. Ladies, am I hitting a nerve here? Isn't it easy to compare yourself with other moms and with other wives? Can I, can I tell you something, ladies? Just be you. Just be you. I, I tell my wife this. My kids, my kids need my wife just to be my wife. They, they need her to be just their mom. They don't need her to be like somebody else. God created her on purpose, for a purpose, just the way that she is. And I don't, I don't want my wife to be anybody but who God created her to be. And she doesn't have to come. All the, all the husbands should say amen to that right there. See, see what I'm saying? Can, ladies, can I just tell you, just release yourself from that. Just be you. Now, if God is challenging you in some areas, if, if your house is always messy, and, and you say you never have time, but you, you watch TV for three hours a day, can I tell you something that, Discipline might be involved there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there might be some things that you need to fix in your life. I'm not saying that God won't encourage you to do some things differently, but stop comparing yourself to others. You're not them and they're not you. And you can offer something different to your family and to the world that they could ever offer. And you're just as treasured before God as they are. 
God treasures you just as much. He loves you just as much. And he created you on purpose for a purpose. So stop comparing yourself to others. It's just not healthy. Men, it's just not healthy to compare yourself with other men. This is one thing that I, my wife and I have talked about a long time, and I, I don't know why this is. I really don't know why it is, but I, I'm just a confident person. I, I just am, and I, I, I don't get it. I, it's, not like I, it's not like I graduated college with honors. I, I mean, I didn't even start doing homework in college until my sophomore year, and I mean that literally. I don't remember from my freshman and sophomore year, I'm sorry, my junior year, I don't remember my freshman and sophomore year of college doing any homework. And I was making A's and B's. And then it finally hit me in my junior year, like, oh, I'm going to be graduating pretty soon. I better start putting some effort into this, you know? And isn't it interesting that my grades did not get better after I started doing homework? I don't know what that is, but um, I, I didn't, I, 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 you know, I was in college for four years, but it's not like I had the best grades. I was A, B's, and C's, you know, no big deal. And, and I, I, I've, um, see, see, um, when you're a guy that's six foot three and just my size, uh, football coaches love you in high school, but they never tell you to stop eating after you uh, graduate. You know what I'm talking about? Like they, 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 they look, when you're in high school and, and you're playing football, they, they want you to eat. They want you to be a big boy, but they never tell you, oh, by the way, um, you're going to be tempted to overeat for the rest of your life. And I'm like, oh, oh thanks for that. And I, by the way, I have red hair, and I just told somebody this morning I hated having red hair. Hated it because um, uh, I was teased a lot as a redhead, and now I don't have much hair. And it's not like I'm the best-looking guy in the world. I'm glad my wife thinks I'm handsome, but it's not like I'm the best-looking guy in the world. I know that, and yet I'm confident. I, I, I'm just secure in who I am. I, I, I don't know. What, I think it's just a grace gift from God that I don't find myself competing with other people. I just am who I am. And can I tell you, everybody who's not like that, there's some freedom in that. There's some freedom in that. Just I, I tell my wife all the time, and I tell ladies all the time, and even, even some guys that I meet with, just be confident in who you are. Just know your purpose in life and live it for the glory of God, and be confident in that purpose. Don't compare yourself with others. Just be confident in you and who God called you to be. And, and I, I tell you, I never thought this place would be filled with people wanting to, to, to hear a sermon that I would preach. I'm, I'm still in awe of that. We, we have a sign here back on the back wall that says, it's a privilege to be up here. And I look at it every week and say, boy, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? It's a privilege to be able to teach the word of God to all of you. Can I, can I tell you something? It's just not wise. The Bible says to compare yourself with other people. It's just not wise. And some of, you need to, some of you need to break that. Some of you have a stronghold in that area, and you need to ask God to deliver you from that. And he will. I promise you he will if you go before him and ask. If you pray anything according to, to his will, he answers us. Amen? And he will. He will. Number three, there are several types of discontentment. This will go very fast. Several types of discontentment. The first one is envy. Obviously, envy is something that desires. It's, it's, it's a, a desire to desire something that belongs to another. Envy desires that which belongs to another, just as envious of what they have. It's the competing, it's the, the comparing, it's the coveting. And then we have jealousy. What, what's this, everybody? Jealousy often longs or craves or protects what it already possesses. What it already possesses. Now, that doesn't make much sense until I explain it to you. 
Uh, we, my wife and I have dealt with multiple people over the past years in which a spouse was extremely jealous of the other spouse, even though that spouse had never given them one reason to be jealous, not one reason to be jealous. They, they never acted out of place. They never flirted with others. They, they were never caught in a bad situation. They were never caught talking. To, I mean, they, they offered no reason for the spouse to be jealous. So the spouse already had possession of, of, of a husband or a wife. They were already in possession. They, that, that person had committed their life to them and showed no signs of stopping, and yet that person was jealous. That, that person had a craving or a longing or wanted to protect something that it already possessed. And that's not healthy. It's not healthy. Jealousy is not healthy. The Bible talks about that. Letter C, greed is an excessive craving that is never fulfilled, and you know that to be full well. When a person is greedy, do they ever stop being greedy? And I would suggest to you, except by the power of God, no. Because greed, let, let me say it like this, greed, I, I've never seen greed be anything but an addiction. That once somebody gets something, it's never enough. They always want more. And that's what Ecclesiastes 5 is saying. That once they get what they're greedy after, if, if I only had this, but it's never enough, there's always something more. So greed is an excessive craving that is never fulfilled. But here's what Ephesians 4 starting in verse 17 says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to, the, to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And watch this, everybody. And they are full of greed. Now, now stop, stop right there for a second. Can I tell you, that one of the signs of, we would say it this way, one of the signs of the times or, or the signs of the age in which Jesus, we know Jesus is coming back soon. One of those signs, a definitive sign is greed. Did you know that? And I believe we're living in the most greedy generation that's ever existed on the face of the earth. I really, I really believe that. Greed. Verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned. It's not the life that you learned. No, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, hey, you've got a choice to make here. Are you going to be greedy? Are you going to be filled with discontentment? Or are you going to live your life and say, you know what, with, with Jesus as my Savior and God as my Father and with the, the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm content. I'm just content. And, and I, I want to uh, share one thing with you before we go any further. As I, as I have searched myself, said, Father, is there anything in me in, in which I'm just discontent? Because I don't want to be. And I don't know how to say this except God, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel God revealed anything to me. Like, I'm just content. I, I, love, I love the ministry 
I love my family. I, uh, I'm just content. I'm just content. It, whatever I have, I, I was able to go to God and say, God, you know that whatever I have is yours. You can take it if you want it. It, it already belongs to you. It's yours. And I'm just content with knowing you. And I'm content with realizing the blessings that I have in you. I'm just content. Are you? Or, or are you longing for more? Are you longing for more? Let, let, me, let me ask you this way. Have you found out yet that Jesus really satisfies? Like he really satisfies. It's not just something that he says in his word, but he actually does it. It's not something that's just written down. No, he actually fulfills it. If you know Jesus, if you spend time with Jesus, you realize Jesus really satisfies. Isn't that what he told the woman at the well? No, no, I've got living water here for you. If you take it, you'll never thirst again. You'll be truly satisfied. That's the point today. Are you truly satisfied in Jesus? Well, watch this. Number four, write this down. When I determine what will satisfy, of course, that's anything outside of Jesus and God our Father. When I determine what will satisfy, I fail to pursue what truly satisfies. See, when you're looking around in life and saying, oh, but I wish I had that, and I wish I had that, and I wish I had that, wishing disturbs your peace. Wishing is not satisfaction, is it? Wishing is not being satisfied with what you have. Could it be that Disney got it wrong? Some of you already know what I'm talking about. When you wish upon us, I can't hit that note. Star, there you go. Have you ever noticed that Disney movies are just filled with wishing, 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 wishing? If I only had this, if I only had this, if I only had this, wishing, wishing, wishing. Now, for all you legalists out there, I'm not against Disney movies. I don't care if you watch Disney movies. I really don't care. But could it be, everybody, that we've been trained to wish? Let me say it this way. Could it be that you've been trained to be discontent? To always want more. Can I tell you that every commercial is training you to be discontent? Every single commercial is training you to be discontent. And yet, when I determine what will satisfy, or if I allow other people to determine what will be what will what will satisfy me, which is what commercials are all about, then I fail to, to pursue what truly satisfies, and that's a relationship. With the Lord Jesus Christ. Number five, write this down. Godly contentment doesn't look in, doesn't look out. It always looks up. Godly contentment, let, let me say it this way. God, godly contentment isn't looking at yourself and being self-serving. And it's not looking at others and saying, hey, I want you to serve me. Godly contentment is always looking up and saying, Jesus Help me to realize I'm just fully satisfied in you. Jesus, I want you. I want you to satisfy me in every area of my life. I want to be satisfied in you. And when you pray a prayer like that, Jesus says, okay. Okay, I will. I'll satisfy you. Could you put your sermon notes away just for a moment as we bring this to conclusion? I know that we've talked about a load of things from uh, from child dedication to, to, to introducing Dr. Bill to you, to um, 
talking about Project Rescue and talking about people who have gone to be with Jesus this week. I just want you to focus in here on the moment. Let, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus really satisfy you? I'm not asking if he satisfies your spouse. I'm asking, is he satisfying you? Are you, are you just content to know him and to be known by him? Can, can you honestly say as you wake up every day, Jesus, if I just have you, I'm fine. I know I'm fine if I just have you. In, in our bedroom at our home, my wife wanted something on our wall. And she wanted it for a long time, and we finally finally got it for her. It's a, it's a big decal, and it, and it says, it's the first thing that she looks at when she gets out of bed every morning, and it's big. It takes up a big portion of our wall, and it says, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Like, I'm just, I'm just satisfied in Christ. And can I tell you, the only satisfaction that you'll ever truly have, I mean true satisfaction, is found in Jesus. No one else. Only found in Jesus. Stuff never satisfies. Sure, it, it might for an hour, it might for a day. It, 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 you might even think that it could go for a, a week or a month. But what you'll find out is what you thought was satisfying isn't actually satisfying at all. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. You know, the older I get, the more I treasure, not stuff. But the older I get, the more I treasure my father, the more I treasure his son, the more I treasure the moving, the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, the more I treasure my wife and my children and my family. I treasure, I treasure them. I, I don't treasure stuff. Does that mean I'm never going to battle that? Of course I'm going to battle that, and you are too. But this Christmas, could we just find ourselves to be truly satisfied in Christ? If you're discontent and you're just looking for stuff to bring fulfillment in your life, I promise you this, you're not going to live such a wonderful life. That's not such a wonderful life. But when you're satisfied in Christ, I, I, I dare to say it this way. When you're satisfied in Christ, it's just so satisfying. It's just so wonderful. And if you haven't discovered that relationship with the Lord, today's a great day. Would you bow your heads with me? If you've never found satisfaction in Christ Jesus, you've never put your trust in him, but, but today you're saying, Justin, I... I don't really have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but I hear what you're saying, and I want to ask Jesus to satisfy me. I want to invite Jesus into my life, and I want to be satisfied in him. Today, I'm just going to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand up and hold that up really high? Let me see who you are. Is there anybody else? You can put your hands down. Anybody else? So proud of you. And if you struggle with discontentment, if you've been longing for stuff, you've been thinking that the new job and the new pay raise and the new car and the new house and the new clothes and all the stuff that you've been longing after, here in this moment, you realize 
you've just been discontent. You've been pursuing things that don't really satisfy. And today you're just going to repent of that. Could you raise up your hand and hold it up really high? Yeah, lots of hands. Yeah, we all fall into that every now and then. That's all right. Today's a new day. His mercy is new today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus, especially this Christmas time. We realize today that true satisfaction is only found in our Savior. True satisfaction is a gift from you, Father, in the form of your son, Jesus. Jesus, you really actually satisfy. You are our life. You are our hope. You are our everything. So Jesus, fill me with your presence and with your life. I invite you in to my life today. I'm sorry for living a life of discontentment. I'm sorry for focusing on things other than you. I realize those things don't bring true satisfaction. It's only you, Jesus. So every morning when I rise, Jesus, I want you. Throughout the entirety of my day, Jesus, I want you. And when I go to bed at night, Jesus, I just want you. As you fill every longing in my heart and you give me joy and you give me peace you comfort me and you love me and I love you. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for calling me to yourself. I truly appreciate it. Truly grateful for it. And help me to choose you over everything else in my life. Help me to choose you. And I'm making that choice today. Jesus, I know in the depths of my heart, it is you who satisfies. And I thank you for it. I love you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www dot new dash song dash church dot com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.